Hello, welcome to Sisters in Zion podcast. This is Danielle. I'm here with you in San Diego and here with Kirsten, my best friend. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, we have been doing lots and lots of traveling. I know I just got back from Mexico City and had an amazing time um, speaking at a leadership there, and I learned so much. You know what's interesting is I feel like on our learning journey, there is moments you know, where the spirit is just so strong and I feel like I'm on a high and I have so much clarity and I'm like, I've got it. I'm good. I've become, <laughs> I'm done. Not really done, but you know, you feel like, you feel like, oh, I finally, I, I, I get it. And then one little thing happens and I'm like, oh wait, I don't have clarity. Wait, how do I do it again? You know, and it's just, it's interesting how life takes us on so many journeys and it's such Everything, I feel like almost anything can be a learning journey when we allow it to be. And, you know, we shared on some other podcasts about um, the reality of Satan and understanding how he works. Any military studies other militaries, any football team studies other football teams, so they know, you know, quote unquote, their enemy or just their competitor. And so knowing our enemy and how he is competing with us and how he's trying to get at us is a huge deal. And I, I feel like there's a huge awakening. I don't know if it's just me and my world, but I feel like there's a big awakening going on among, among all of us of just the reality of our true selves, of our potential, of being leaders and being um, women, covenant women of God. Um, I was reading in the scriptures the other day, um, I was reading the come follow me. I've been loving that. I don't, I've, it's just like, I'm so excited even to get to it again today. I've been doing pretty much, um, a couple times a week. I'm actually studying it cause I was catching up and now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to have to go forward because I love studying a couple times a week. But there was something that was really interesting that hit me, um, is where they were talking about, um, it was a savior and he was saying, um, he was being interviewed by Pilate. And again, I'm just kind of regurgitating from a little small memory here um, where he said in response to someone, do you not think it's something like this anyway? Um, excuse me for miss, um, miss uh, relaying it, but do you not think I could call down 12 legions of angels to deliver me basically from the position he was in with, you know, be, um, being to put, uh, put upon a cross and it just, it hit me. Like two things hit me about that. One is, is he allowed it. It was absolutely part of his plan that he allowed. They did not do anything out of his own agency. He could have called down 12 legions of angels to come and deliver him. And I thought that was, he willingly suffered for us. He willingly paid that price his atonement is so infinite. That was one thing that hit me. And the other thing that hit me was the fact that he said 12 legions. I just thought, well, that's interesting. So I looked up, I really like Webster's Dictionary. Um, Webster, Miriam Webster, um, he was the one that was um, uh, at the time of the founding of our country. And when they wrote our constitution, he was very particular. They had him write a dictionary so that the, the interpretation so much was given under divine guidance that, um, he 
they had him write up, sorry, I'm just going to mute you real quick because it's feedback. Um, they had him write down the meanings of things at that time so that the, the significance of everything that they received through inspiration didn't get lost. Anyway, so I went to the, that's the dictionary I tend to go to. Um, and they all were so spiritually and scripturally based in that time when they were writing the constitution. So it's like a, it's, to me, it's a very, um, valid, um, dictionary. So anyway, I go to the dictionary and look up legions. I was like, you know, we've, we've read a couple times they use the word legion in, in the new Testament and this time Christ used it. And it, what was interesting is it said in Roman times, it meant about 4,000 to 6,000 men in an army. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so Christ was using language in which of Roman time, the Romans were the ones he was speaking to at that time. And I thought 4,000 to 6,000. So times 12, that's a lot of angels. So I, I said in my prayer at that moment when I realized that, I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, can I just have one legion, <laughs> 4,000 to 6,000 come and protect, <laughs> protect me on my trip? Yeah. And, and I got like such a distinct impression and it felt like it was from the savior. And it said, God is not a respecter of persons. You can have 12. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, it was such an impression of like, Oh wow. But our father loves us as much as he loves the savior and the savior loves us as much that he willingly didn't call 12 legions to come deliver him. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. I love it so much. You know, I'll be honest, there are times when I'm living my life day to day and I lose the understanding. Like, no, I understand it, but I lose the comprehension because it's so great, right? I feel like my mind and all of our minds for the most part are really quite unable as they are right now to even fully comprehend the power and the need and the desire and the purpose of an atonement. And so I guess because of this, I guess now I'm realizing why this happened to me. Um, this one will make me cry because it makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, learning lessons. So this past week I was really, really reminded of why there is an atonement. Like I, I can, you know how you can learn about the atonement at church and you can study it and you can appreciate it. But the last time that I like fully appreciated the power of the atonement, I think, I mean, you know, there've been different times, but one of the times that I appreciated the power of the atonement the most is when I was turning my life completely back over to Christ, where I had not been keeping the commandments of the Lord. I, I've, I've struggled often with, you know, just basic commandments, a word of wisdom, morality, you know, things like that, that I just needed to repent from. It wasn't like I'm a bad person. I just needed to change and, and turn back to the Lord. And so I remember this one particular time that I had I had fasted and prayed and repented and it was right before I met Kyle, like literally like probably four days before I was blessed with meeting my, my eternal companion. 
I had turned my life fully over, went to the bishop, repented and made a decision. And I felt the atonement burn through the top of my head down to my toes. It was such a physical, real experience. And since then, of course, I have experienced the power of the atonement and appreciated it. But recently, you know, that was like 14 years ago, this past week, um, I had, I'll give it a little backstory so you, so you can understand why I'm going to justify my actions. But I had flown to Las Vegas. I was in Hawaii, flew to Las Vegas with my five boys by myself, which is fine. They're pretty good on airplanes. I mean, candy and iPads will fix anything, right? So it was okay. We did okay on the plane, but it was stressful. Got to my house in Las Vegas, uh, realized that the air conditioner was broke. It's a hundred degrees in the house. It's so hot. It'll turn anyone into like a total you know, disaster. And so I'm struggling by myself, like trying to make all these decisions and run all these business, you know, just very stressful time. And we make it through the first night with no AC. We have the guy come out. He says he can fix it. He's, he works on it all day long. And by the end of the day, I'm expecting to have, you know, a cool house. And he tells me he can't fix it that night, but he goes and gets me a portable air conditioner and we, you know, turn it on in the house and we're all excited. It's in our bedroom. We're going to go upstairs to have this nice, cool bedroom to sleep in. Just me and the boys, we're all going to snuggle together. And we go up to the room and it's still hot. The portable AC that he had brought didn't work. It tripped the breaker in the house. So now I have no power and it's midnight and the boys are fighting and crying. And I mean, it, I am done as a mom, I'm done. And I'm warning them. I'm telling my boys, you guys, I I'm at my wits end. Like, I know you think I'm like immortal. I'm, you know, kids think their mom can handle anything, but I'm telling you right now, I am not okay. Like, this is not okay. And my 12 year old probably feeling the stress of the heat and all the pressure and everything. He starts to bug his 10 year old brother and he pulls his hair and he makes the 10 year old cry. And I walk out into the hallway as I'm trying to decide, you know, what do I do? Like, do I pack up all my bags? Like, what, what do I need? And I mean, on top of it, like, sorry guys, but I just started my period. So I'm just like, ah, I'm like freaking out. I'm done like physically, emotionally, hormonally. And I, and my 12 year old makes my 10 year old cry. And I grabbed my 12 year old, like by his ear. And I drag him into a room, into my, like the room that was closest to me. And I, I push him down onto the bed and I just unleash on him. Like I just lose it, you guys. And I was so mean. I said the meanest things. I totally hurt him. I made him feel like the biggest piece of dog crap, you know? And I just, oh my gosh, it was so ugly. And I'm, you know, to talk about it, like it's, it's really vulnerable and please don't judge me, you know, like, oh my gosh, I know the Lord isn't judging me and I don't, I know I'm not a bad mom and I know it's okay. It's not okay to hurt someone and to, to abuse them verbally or physically, but it is a situation that happens in the flesh. Right. And oh my gosh, he was being such a little stinker, like, ah, you know, kids, they just, push you and they push you to learn and, and go to your depths of your soul and figure out who you are, you know? And anyway, so this happened and I, I immediately started bawling and I ran out of the room and I ran to the bathroom where I could just lock the door and sob and sob and sob. I was so upset. I was so upset at myself. I couldn't believe that I would allow something so evil to move through me. 
and I called my husband and I was just crying. I was like, I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm such a bad mom. He's like, you're not a bad mom. And I'm like, no, I know I'm not a bad mom. You know, it was just so emotional, such a roller coaster. And I knew in that moment, I'm like, this is so bad. Like what I've done is so bad. And the only thing that can make it right, that can erase it is the atonement. There is nothing else. There is no one else. There is no, there is no one I could follow on Instagram. There is no TV show I could watch on Netflix. There is no book I could read that could bring the power of the atonement. There is no meditation or, or affirmation or self-soothing yoga class or whatever, all the good things, right? There's nothing that could come in and make it right like the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I went in and I apologized to my son. I asked him for forgiveness and he was so cute. Oh my gosh, we can learn so much from children. He said, I said, Carver, I want you to forgive me. And he said, um, do you want me to forgive you right now? <laughs> and I said, yes, Carver, please forgive me right now. And he said, okay, mom, I will. And then he proceeded to apologize to me for what he had been doing and took responsibility for his actions of creating that scenario where I snapped and he had kind of snapped too. You know, we had a moment and there was still pain there. You know, there was still like, I, it's one thing. Have you guys ever, you know, when, you know, when you have the opportunity to be an instrument in the hands of the Lord and you're like, Oh my goodness. Like, wow, I got, I got to, I got the privilege of sharing the gospel with someone. Like I got to give a book of Mormon or I got to go minister to that sister. And I got to say something and it was exactly what she needed. Like the humility that comes from that is the exact opposite of the humility that comes from, wow, I was, I don't want to say like I was an instrument in the hands of Satan. Like that sounds probably a little too dark, you know, for like this scenario, but it was, that was, that was not from God. What I did, how I behaved, what I said, none of those things were from God. It was completely carnal. And, you know, a couple, it, it was, it was a result of living in this world, being in this body, having the heat and the pressure and the hormones, you know, all the things, but it still was not of God. And it was so humbling for me to experience being an evil carnal person, you know, and, and having to call upon the Lord and bring his atonement in. So what happened, I'll finish the story. What happened is I called upon the Lord after that and I fully repented and I just sobbed my eyes out again. And I just asked, I know the power of the atonement is real. Please cleanse this from my family, cleanse this from my heart. And you know what? It was gone. All of the, it was gone. Like, and what happened is I could feel Satan right there trying to like bring back in like, oh no. And, and wanting to like go back into the scenario. And in my head, I wanted, I was kind of like, it was almost like an addiction or a temptation to go back into the scenario and relive it. He said this. And then I said this, you know, and I could feel the Lord right there going, nope that's over. 
it's gone. You don't actually need to go there at all. The, the physical, emotional, all of it is, is completely swallowed up in the atonement of your savior, the savior who you worship, who loves you and did all of that for you willingly, even though he had 12 legions of angels at his fingertips. He did that so that I don't have to wallow in the pain of my actions. And Satan is the one who is right there with each and every one of us tempting us to go back and to not trust the Lord, not trust the atonement. So if you needed a reminder of why the Lord did what he did for us, of why it matters still, and that the power and the path is through the Lord and no one else, there you go. Thank you for sharing such a vulnerable story. I know that is not easy, but also it's such a, because it was so, such a big uh, thing that happened, it also is such a big learning experience. And it's, it's very vivid for, I think, many mothers. I, I know um, a lot of mothers will relate, especially to being frustrated with their children. And I've heard other um, moms even just in, in church will talk about how they don't, I live in a ward that has a lot of military families. And so the mothers end up being with their children for six to nine months, sometimes even 12 to 14 months at a time all by themselves, whether husbands are deployed. So I know um, I've heard, you know, a lot of mothers that go through the same type of thing where they're just like, I am so frustrated and there's no relief. And then let alone just to talk about single mothers. How do you, how do you play the role of mother and father at the same time? And how you do it is just continuing to lean on the Savior. And just as he said, 12 legions, we remember the story um, of the man who had, remember when the Savior came and he was cutting himself and he was in a cave and being very outcast and the Savior came to um, heal him and the, the evil spirits inside of him said, they said they knew who he was. He said, Oh, thou art the Christ. And they were like, Oh no. Like they knew they didn't have the veil taken from them. And so they said, um, please don't cast us out. And you know, can we at least go into something else? Because having a physical body and having these experiences as a mortal are the way that it's fulfilling in way. It's the way we learn. And so when he asked their name or the name of the evil spirit, he said, we are legion for we are many. So think about that. If he said, I don't know if it meant one legion or four legions, but it just said we are a legion. So 4,000, I mean, I don't know the exact answer, but that's what we have up against us. But then the savior said 12, 000, you know, 12 legions of angels. So we have up against us many legions of evil spirits trying to drag us down and help make us feel awful about ourselves and our circumstances. But the atonement, how beautiful that we, like you said, like the suffering and the, you know, sometimes I feel like I do the same thing where I'll feel bad about something and I'll analyze and keep analyzing. And, you know, it's interesting, even today after church, I had this and, and I didn't even, it wasn't anything too bad. I just noticed some pride that I have been working on releasing and, and insecurity I've been working on releasing. And then it came up right when church was ending and I was like, Oh, and I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I thought I'd gotten past this. I thought I was doing so good. And I was all upset. And I was like, please help me. How come I'm like get upset about this so much? And, and 
the, he reminds me the atonement, first of all. So I like, Hey, yes, I can turn that over to him immediately. And then the second thing he's reminding me is stop thinking about it. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> just move on. And that's where you, I, so your story helped me to realize like, like, let it go. It's Satan that doesn't allow you to let it go. And we talked on another pod about kind of distinguishing between the three voices, which are, we've talked on many of the pods, but one of them specifically, I remember we talked about where there's the Savior's voice, which comes through the Holy Ghost, either as a light of Christ, or you get a um, actual manifestation of the Holy Ghost, right? Um, or our own voice, which is um, usually thoughts of kind of questioning and analyzing. And then, this, and then the adversary's voice, these legions around us. And those are generally voices of contrary to things. They might be a little skeptical cynicism, or they may be a little bit like, oh, you should go to the temple. And I know you haven't been for so long. Like that's Satan. He uses the church against you. He uses it anyway. Oh my gosh. He totally does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's not that, you know, maybe on a Saturday it'd be great to go to the temple, but then you don't really feel like it. Then he's going to be like, uh, you know? And so it's just, it's, what am I trying to say? He's all around. But um, the point being with the three voices, one of the things that we talked about was that they are the weakness. This is, and this really hit me from John Pontius spoke about this in his book, the light of um, following the light of Christ. If you really want like a manual on how to get through this life, that's it. I love that manual besides the scriptures, but it's like, it's like a manual for your head, <laughs> for understanding everything in your head. But one thing he said that I loved. What book is it again? Um, Following the Light of Christ by John Pontius. Mm-hmm. I recommend all right. his books, but that one has been, I've been writing notes on it. And that's what stuck out to me lately was that the adversary, they have a real big point of weakness because sometimes I'm like, well, if they're telling me go to the temple and so is God, and then I don't know who's who, you know, and I, and I just don't. Cause maybe the adversary knows like that day is a busy day and you're not, you're not going to be able to go. And so then he'll use that. And I'm like, well, then how do I know? And, and they have a weakness and their weakness is they generally cannot just give you one. Um, they can't just say one thing. First of all, if it's a legion, they're all competing to say, to speak to you. Just like if you remember when I was dating someone and I saw like seven different blobs and they kept saying stuff all over. I was just, I was like, what, who, that one said something, then that one said something. And so they, they kind of speak over each other, but also they're, they have like, it's almost like an hurried and an anxious and like a, a desperate. And it's like, they, they, they cannot not say just one thing. And I, and I thought, well, here's my thought process. I thought, well, if Satan knows that's a weakness then in his army, then why wouldn't he mend that? I asked, I kind of asked in prayer, like, you know, why wouldn't he mend that? And the thought actually came to me and it was because they would be less effective. If they just said one thought, like, go, go to the temple, then it would be less, you know, or feel guilty. I'm sorry, not go to the temple, but you know, you should feel guilty for going to the temple. And it was like like a quick thought and it left us. We have so much more power. That thought would be fleeting. It wouldn't substantiate. 
because our power to, and the light of Christ is so much stronger. And so he has to use this like hurried and desperate ability and, and let's talk over each other and say a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and so it made sense. Like that is exactly, exactly how they operate in us. And it's just a matter of continuing to recognize and try and turn it over to the savior. And I had another thought, this is kind of interesting. Tell me what you think about this, but you know, we talk about how mortality is our time to learn. Like this is really our time to physically feel things that move through us as an energy. And I had this thought, like, you know, some people think, well, if we can just repent and then be on to the next life, like what's the point of trying to like strive and like, you know, be, live the covenants and, and the thought I had, you know, obviously when we pass on, we are in spirit form until we're resurrected. And without the mortal body, we have already been taught this a little bit in the church, but we don't learn the same. You can't cry. You can't use a voice box, you know? I mean, you just, there's so much power into what you have with this tangible, you know, beautiful blessing of a body we've been given. And my thought oh, was, yeah. right? And my thought was, I, when we were talking about the legions of angels, right? And we're talking, do you not think, think that they are, there's some that are assigned to us, probably family members, because they're still trying to learn whatever they did or didn't learn from this earth. And how we talk about the angels can be around us when we invite the spirit in, but it's because that's what they, they want to learn. So if I'm in my house and I'm I'm reading the scripture so I can physically open a scripture and I can read it and I'm analyzing and I'm writing notes and they're just like, oh, I want to learn with her. So they want to surround us. And then I go put like a TV show or like um, music, for example. Oh my gosh, we had this um, event here in San Diego. I, I do this, uh, cust this like big customer event and we celebrate just all these just beautiful people that I get to be connected with through my business. And I had a playlist. And it was just some from a long time ago. And it was just kind of like, oh, popular songs. There was a song and it was by Gwen Stefani. And it had a line in it that was not good. And it just, it wasn't, didn't invite the spirit. Again, not saying that all her other words did, but it was just this one that stayed with me. This event was on Saturday, all day Sunday. And I went immediately in my phone and I deleted that from that list from all of my albums. I'm like, I do not need something because that was the thought that came to me was I, that song was in my head. And I mean, just that line, just the crappy line that from it. And you know who that is. Those legions are repeating it like, Oh, let's get her with the music. Cause she likes, she likes music. So, so I'm realizing, wow, why would my family, you know, genealogy of spirits, right? Why would my legions of spirit like angels that would want to be around me? Why do they want around me? If I'm, having that in my head or I'm putting that on around my, my music. And so it just, and it just reminded me like they're, they want to learn. And if we're in a space of wasting a moment and I'm not saying, you know, we can't watch TV. I do, or we can't watch things, but if we're in a space of like continually repeating some nasty phrase, like from a song in our head, for example, they are just like, uh, we're going to go find someone else to go hang out with. So we can, cause we're, you know, we want to keep, the spirit of Christ with us. And so, you know, it's interesting. And I actually repent. I just, you know, you can turn everything over to the savior. It's so easy. And I just said, 
I am so sorry for playing that song for people, like a hundred people at this event. Like I felt so bad for being responsible for that. And I, I asked for forgiveness. I said, I deleted it. And I said, please help me flush other things from my life and then help me forget this line. And right now I can't even remember what it was. And I'm not saying if I didn't think hard that I couldn't, I, I'm sure I could. <laughs> but the point That's being good. is, I, it hasn't been, that line hasn't been repeating in my head all week anymore. Isn't that yeah. amazing? How simple. I just got this total realization that I think we are going to miss our bodies when we're not in our bodies, right? I mean, I don't know. I think I would miss it a lot. I don't know what it's going to be like to be a spirit. It's funny because sometimes you think, ah. Oh, my body, my body hurts, my body this, my body that, you know, there's some things, you know, about your body that you don't like, you know, I want a better body, I want my body to be a different way, you know, but, but the beauty and the feeling of, of the glory of being alive in a body is like, yeah, I can, well, to I love this imagery that you're giving. And I love thinking about the spirits who want to learn around me when I'm doing good and how I, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where the doctrine is about any of this, but it makes sense that, you know, if I was not in my body and I wanted to continue learning that I would surround someone who is studying the gospel, who is learning, who is moving the work of the Lord forward, because that is the energy and the, the mission that I want to have. It makes sense. I don't know. Maybe they have other missions at different times too. They're off doing other things, but it, there's lots of them. So. Yeah. And maybe, that and maybe they are still around, even in those learning moments where, um, like for example, your story, maybe, you know, they have, they're still there cause they're like, I know she's going to turn over to the atonement. Oh my gosh, let's learn how she does this. And so it's not that you're, everything withdraws completely. I'm assuming, you know, they, you know, we still have, obviously the one person who doesn't withdraw is the savior. So he is still there. And, you know, I had another realization that that was, that's a good realization. And, oh, oh, here, I was going to tell you something else before I jump into this. But the, when you said like, we're going to miss our bodies, I, I just thought of, you know, there's going to be some relief from things of this world. But if our body, our body was created by this, by God, it's his creation. It's his matter. He put together He He put the DNA. He influenced the DNA to become what it is, right? If it wasn't so important, we wouldn't be resurrected with a body. We would just live forever in our spirits. But our body is so important that everybody's looking forward to the resurrection. I think that's really cool. And the other, you know, the other thought I had was I was reading in the scriptures about how he was talking about, oh my gosh, which one was it? It wasn't the sparrow, but it was it was something about, uh, about an animal. I can't remember now. Maybe it was the sparrow, but it was something else about, oh, he cares where they, they, you know, not just, it wasn't food. It was something else. What, what happens to them? Basically, I'm sorry, I'm going to phrase this. He cares what happens to the sparrows, right? So, and then it said in a few sentences later, a few verses later, and he, he knows every single head on your hair is counted. And I thought hair on your head. <laughs> yes. Hair on your head. If you have it, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> you said head on your hair, but it's cool. I oh my it. gosh. I didn't even hear that. I, when you said, it, I was like, like, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. 
It's fun. It's Thank great. you. Yep. So I just thought, wow, he is so involved in the details. And I, I kind of sat back and I had a prayer and asked the father, like, how would you know every hair on my head? And it was like the obvious answer came to my mind. I created it. <laughs> I was like, you're right. So just kind of, okay, this is the last thought I had that I was going to say. So, so I was looking at, as I'm reading the scriptures, belief, belief is the foundation for, you know, every miracle to come about. If you believe, if you believe, right. And you have all these things, if you believe. And so I, I was praying to know what is the foundation of belief then? Like how, how do we develop, how do we expand our belief? And it was interesting. I was standing in my room and my room in the hallway Right in um, outside the doorway of my room is a picture of the Savior coming out um, from the resurrection, from the tomb. And I was standing there asking the Lord, how do we, you know, what is the foundation of belief? And it just like immediately all popped in my head. Three things just popped right in my head as I was looking and, and it happened. I didn't realize I was even looking at that picture, but I was and I was, and it was three things. It was believe in Christ, right? Believe that he is. Believe he is the Christ. Believe in his words. And then the third, believe that his words apply to you. It was so strong. And it wasn't just, yeah, I believe. Yeah, he can heal a sparrow. Yeah, he can heal, you know, so-and-so. I mean, believe that his words can apply to you. That's the foundation of belief. Is It's him believing in him, believing in his words, and believe that his words apply to you. That's amazing. And for me, I think if those things are difficult for you or you're kind of like, oh, that sounds nice, Danielle, but how does that, you know what I mean? Like, I would just invite you to pray for situations that you can learn and apply those teachings, right? So for me, I shared the story. I mean, I wouldn't ask to freak out on my child, you know, but any situation, even little situations, you know, I don't think we need to be praying for trials or praying for horrible things to happen. You know, that's not, I, I don't believe the Lord needs to teach us in that way when we are seeking after him and we're humbly asking, you know, on a daily basis, he can use lots of different scenarios to teach us. So, so grateful for that. I agree. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for being on with us today and have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.